All righty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Wiz, how you doing today? Doing well. Almost uh, getting to uh, August 1st here and uh, <clears throat> getting dates and schedules for uh, leagues when we're going to draft and all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, very, very exciting as we bear down on the uh, start of the uh, 2021 season. Yeah, and all, all the teams are uh, in camps now, so there's still some kind of uh, late signings. Uh, today the Jets made it official. There's some language issues with the contract with Zach Wilson, but that's a done deal now. Uh, so all the first-round draft picks, I believe, are now signed, and all the teams are in camp. Uh, you're starting to see some stories on injuries and COVID, and it, it, there's a lot happening. you got to pay attention. I know... Uh, the Dak Prescott uh, throwing situation with his arm, the, uh, some kind of strain in his forearm, but that seems to be uh, uh, a mi- of minimal concern at this point in time uh, for the Cowboys. I was listening to that earlier today. So, yeah, lots lots going on. And, uh, yeah, preparation for the 2021 season uh, is, is in full force right now. And I think that's part yeah, of – keep my eye on that Dak Prescott one. I know the Cowboys, you know, want to – out there that's much to do about nothing, but anytime you have a quarterback who's coming off a bad leg injury and now something develops that you know never was before with an arm, it just it just you know a little bit of a, nothing not a major red flag, but it's not nothing either. Uh, I'm going to keep my eye on that one and see <clears throat> how that goes because, uh, like I said, the Cowboys made it out like it was a real nothing burger, but. You don't send the guy for an MRI when it's, you feel it's completely and absolutely nothing. So, uh, you know, injury to the leg, and then you're worried about how that can affect other parts of his body. And right off the bat, you're still getting stuff with the throwing arm. And, you know, just uh, it could be nothing, but um, I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach and see uh, if we see anything more on that uh, as it gets closer. Yeah, and I get, you know, from a compensation standpoint, when a player is coming back from one injury, they may alter some kind of movement. You see it a lot just in everyday life. If someone kind of, you know, if you kind of alter your back and something's not right, you start walking differently and it can impact things. So so I, I agree with you. It's something to watch. And especially you don't have, uh, and I'm not saying that it's the best thing in the world, but the luxury of Andy Dalton backing up, uh, Dak Prescott this year, that's not the same case. You know, uh, Danucci, Gilbert, uh, Cooper Rush, those are some of the guys in camp, and, and none of those guys are going to scare anybody. And I think that, you know, it, it is a situation that this year, if Dak Prescott would have missed time, it, it's a it's a more, uh, much more relevant fantasy story uh, in terms of what it means for the Dallas Cowboy players. So, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take more notice of that than I am a guy who's going through COVID protocols. Quite frankly, at this point, because uh, you know it just seems that um, you know when you have one like you said, a player coming off a major injury in his legs, and now stuff that pops up that never did before with throwing on, just uh, something to keep your eye on. But uh, we're gonna talk about three players uh, in uh, specific tonight, right? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. And Mike Thomas. So, uh, you want to just give your analysis and summarize what we took, what took place, and what we saw these last few months, uh, which concluded, well, maybe concluded is not the right word. I guess where it's left off yesterday with that Aaron Rodgers um, 
press conference. So uh, why don't you just get some thoughts on that? Yeah, and and, and I think uh, you know we talked a little bit about in this podcast uh, about what when we did the Green Bay Packers summary and and we kind of talked about life with Aaron Rodgers, life without it. Uh, we know that uh, uh, Las Vegas odds are going to shift around considerably on this in terms of win totals for the Packers and, and what it means for the rest of the teams in that division. That's the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings, of course. So it's it's a material difference. Uh, I guess the the one thing, uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers, if you didn't see that press conference, certainly let everything out. Uh, the Packers have actually started to, and, and you know, I don't like the precedent that it starts, but the Packers actually made one move uh, already, and they brought Randall Cobb back to Green Bay, uh, which is an interesting one. In, interesting one, uh, particularly when they drafted uh, Amari Rogers uh, to, to actually what I thought was going to be the guy in the slot for for, uh, for for the Green Bay Packers this year. But you know, with 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 Cobb coming back, it, it maybe puts him back on uh, you know because he did two years ago actually have a relevant fantasy season so perhaps there are some out there with the inconsistency that we've seen from guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling and from Alan Lazard who was hurt a lot last year um, you know outside of of, of Devonte Adams you know there's, there's a lot going on there but certainly uh, I, I would say given the season the MVP season that Rodgers had last year um, you know he comes right back now and I think there is going to be a feeling now, I, I think from fantasy owner's perspective, Wiz, that I think most people will not hold this over him from a fantasy perspective. The Green Bay Packer uh, fan base may may give him uh, give him some grief during the early part of the season, especially if they are uh, kind of unable to have some success. But, you know, I think, I think we talked about this. Aaron Rodgers' chance to win a Super Bowl was most relevant here in Green Bay. Um, and they're going to see if they can uh, do a, a lot better than they did last year. They had a great season, but they were not able to finish it off in the playoffs. So Rodgers has a, a very tall task to beat what he did last year, as, as does Devontae Adams, uh, who is in the midst of a contract situation as well. Uh, but I think most people from a fantasy perspective will continue to rank Rodgers in the top 10. He'll be a QB1 coming into the draft. Uh, it's probably better for the entire offense. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit. I'll let you talk about the running back situation. But we think, you know, with Aaron Jones and, and, and uh, A.J. Dillon, uh, that combination and the, and the differences in those players, uh, you know, they, they certainly are going to have running lanes when a guy like Aaron Rodgers is is under center as opposed to, you know, a guy, a, a rookie quarterback or, sorry, a second-year quarterback like Jordan Love. So I think it bodes well. And, and the biggest beneficiary, in my opinion, is Robert Tanyan. We talked about the chemistry between those players. Uh, and, and I think, you know, without him, it would have been a very questionable season for Tanyan. But again, uh, a player that Aaron Rodgers trusts, uh, particularly in the red zone. I think he gets the biggest boost of anybody in this offense from Aaron Rodgers being around. Yeah, but what I'm getting at is, what did what did Aaron Rodgers want? I, I'm still I, I'm still not convinced or understanding what what did what did he want? What does he want? He did did he want to be in the player personnel decisions? Does he want who gets cut? Does he want? to get involved in contracts? Does he want to get involved in free agents? Does he want to get involved with who the team should draft? Like, what do you think he wants? The way I look at this is I just think he is envious of what took place with Brady, where Brady won with the Patriots, Brady called his own shots, Brady left, Brady chose where he wanted to go, and Brady won a Super Bowl where he went. But, like, all of this stuff, like, about these players – 
Aaron Rodgers and like the, all the history of these guys that he named, you know, and maybe they weren't treated fairly, maybe, you know, the contracts, but him and those players and the Packers management and those players have a different perspective about who gets re-signed, who gets a raise, who they decide to let go. So I understand about like all, you know, the ramifications of the fantasy aspect of it, but what does Aaron Rodgers want exactly from the Green Bay Packers? Does he want to get out of town or does he want to be involved in the, in the decision-making regarding everything that's going on with the roster? Yeah, it's, it's difficult to tell. I don't know if he just wants a hug. I don't know if it's the insult part of it. And again, I, you know, I, I question some of the motives and you know what's taking place, who's influencing him. I don't know. You know obviously, he's in a new relationship as well. I, you just don't know what's, what's impacting the player. And I think your, your comment on, on Tom Brady and, and kind of what he did, uh, you know, I don't know. He sees that. He's, he's not a stupid guy. He's a cerebral guy. And uh, maybe, maybe he is looking at that situa- situation with some jealousy. So it's very difficult without sitting here across the table from Aaron Rodgers and trying to understand what motivates him and what makes him tick. Uh, but I think, you know, you, you have legitimate uh, questions around all of that and, and, and on the topics that you covered because, uh, you know, it sets a precedent of, of how involved do you need to have players. And then granted, he's the leader of the team. I get it. But, you know, there, there are also people that are paid to make football decisions on, on the roster. Right. And. The last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers was was paid to succeed on the field, not necessarily in making those personnel decisions. I mean, if the guy was the MVP of the league and the team didn't make the playoffs these last few years and they were horrible while he was playing in the league level, you could see him say, oh, what terrible, you know, our defense can't stop anybody or if we just had another. I mean, they're in the NFC Championship the last two games. He did not play great. I know he put up great stats. He threw for maybe 370 yards in that championship game, but made a crucial, it threw the crucial interception at halftime. It was like a 14-point swing. Kind of like changed the momentum of the game around. Uh, but I, I'm not quite understanding what exactly he's after, what he wants, if he wants to to kind of duplicate what Brady did and say, okay, Green Bay, I'm going and I'm going to go to it, you know, whatever. But it, that's not the case. He's on the contract. He's not going to pick where he's going to end up like Brady did. Green Bay essentially is going to decide where he ends up. So <clears throat> I'm just not sure what the last couple of months, months have been about. But as you mentioned, you know, the fact that he is back – it certainly bodes well for Adams and Tanya and the rest of that offense. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, it's peculiar, and and maybe you know, is it's something that's just been building and building and building. Like we can we can look at the drafts and what's happened over the last five or six years in terms of not drafting any wide receivers in any early rounds. We can look at that. I, you know, I don't know. I know there was some stuff made out of Kumaro being cut, and he didn't agree because he had an affinity for that player as well. Uh, you know, we could argue that we thought last uh, in the year before instead of Jordan Love we thought it was perfect spots to take some of these guys at the receiver position which they didn't do I mean who knows I mean this could be a building up of, of many different years look I would also say the Green Bay Packers are run a lot differently than most other NFL franchises right so that's the other thing to remember there's a long history here uh, the fan base uh, you know the amount of owners of this team is very different than any other uh, situation that we look at across the NFL so 
I don't know. Uh, you know, again, maybe it's just you know very immature and childish behavior. Uh, but nonetheless, like we said, it, it does make a material difference uh, for all the players in this offense, and and actually, it, it affects the entire football team. I mean, just I'm just gonna make one last comment. You know, two of his favorite players, especially you know on the offensive side over this last decade, has been Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, and the Packers made decisions that their time was up. And the proof is in the pudding. Were Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb the same players when when they went to different teams? Did Jordy Nelson resemble the player in the Packers that he did when he ended up on the Raiders? I mean, uh, they, they they were okay in spots, but if you look at organizationally, did they make the right move for moving on from those players? The answer is a resounding yes. Oh, yeah. Look, and you talked about this the other day about Father Time, right? You, you, it, Father Time is basically undefeated, you know, save Tom Brady, I, I would say that in the NFL, and and you know how I've spoken about older players, uh, particularly at the running back position, but we spoke about it with A.J. Green the other day. Uh, it's not easy to continue to p- perform at that consistent level with the physical toll that this game takes on you, and we saw that, like you said, with both of these players. Now, like I said two years ago, I think uh, in Dallas there was some relevance when, when – uh, Cobb was on the field uh, with Dak Prescott. He actually made it made a difference. Uh, he made a little bit of noise with with uh, Deshaun Watson. But this is a player who hasn't had a thousand yard season in I don't know seven or eight seasons. And the last three or four years in in Green Bay saw a distinct decline in production. So I agree with you. Management made the right decisions with both of those players uh, from a financial perspective. From from a financial oh, perspective. Is a rough business, right? When you sign your second contract, you don't bring your resume and say, this is what I've done. The team is is, is taking that into consideration, but they're more interested in what you're going to do over the next four or five years. And you all get to that certain age, and you see that with the, with the year, you know, at the age of 30 with running backs. And, you know, a resume is great, but that's what they're not giving you. They're not giving you a, a second contract based on, the years and what you've done for the team organizationally. It's, you know, what are you going to do over those next four or five years? And it's difficult, but the Packers, when they make these decisions, really can't take in consideration what the level of friendship is between those players and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, just I just, you know, listen to Aaron Rodgers talk, and uh, I just think he's all over the place with this, uh, some of this. And I think to your point, it's a, a bit of frustration and uh, a lot of it doing with that, that NFC championship game. But we'll, we'll move on to two other players. So Deshaun Watson, I know we, we touched on this briefly when we talked about the Texans capsule. So how are you handling Deshaun Watson in snake formats and even auction drafts where you could potentially use a spot on the player? Um, is he worth a, uh, you know, a roster spot, or you going to let Deshaun Watson just be somebody else's decision? So it's kind of interesting because uh, I, th- I thought there was some kind of unusual language that the NFL used the other day uh, when talking about Watson being in camp, kind of saying for now, uh, you know, he was able to, you know, pl- uh, partake in, in, in uh, team, team exercises and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think the one thing that was mentioned on on one of the shows that I was watching or listening to was the fact that the lawsuits uh, surrounding Deshaun Watson aren't criminal in nature. They're actually civil in nature. And that actually could be a material difference for 
a team that's actually looking to employ uh, Deshaun Watson down the road. Uh, so there's a distinct difference between those two situations. Not not that I condone any of the accusations that have ma- been made uh, to the, to this point. Um, so it, it's it's a tricky one because we know he's a talented player. Uh, before all this garbage started, we know he didn't want to be with the Houston Texans or, or the organization. So uh, do I think he's going to play it down with the Texans? No, I don't think he's going to play it down with the Texans. The question is, does he get moved at some point in time? Is the team willing to... W- take that chance. How many teams are there now at this point in time that are willing to do that? You know, we talked about the Carolina Panthers as being a potential suitor for him. I think that probably changed a little bit now with Sam Donald in the camp. Uh, There's, you know, Philadelphia has been mentioned. Uh, Denver has been mentioned. I think Denver probably to me makes the most sense right now in terms of if he's going to land somewhere, uh, makes some sense. Uh, But for me, um, you know what? Uh, in a keeper league, I can understand spending a little bit of money and knowing that that player is probably not going to be around. If I feel confident in my abilities uh, to have him at a cheap price, uh, I may invest in that. Uh, that's usually not my mo um, in terms of how I operate uh, in, in terms of uh, fantasy ownership. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I think in some leagues where you have some confidence or uh, in your kind of let's say you draft a guy who's ranked somewhere between 9 and, say, 13 or 14 uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, could you back that guy up with Aaron, uh, with Deshaun Watson? Uh, yeah, I think you might take a chance on that, and thinking that he potentially could be drafted. I'm probably not going to be the one that does that. To me, this is a headache, and I'm probably going to want to avoid it. But you and I both know, the people that we partake in in these leagues, there are going to be people that take this chance and roster the guy. There's just no question about it. We, we saw Gronk drafted two years ago. He, even when he was out of football, we saw him drafted in drafts. And I think So I think Deshaun Watson's getting drafted. I'm most likely, uh, outside of keeper leagues, I'm going to have someone else worry about that. That's, uh, that's kind of the way I'm treating it. And look, it, it certainly... Like I said, I don't think he's. I don't I haven't thought all season that he's going to play for the for the for the Texans, and the Texans got a multitude amount of question marks around all their offensive skill positions, running back, wide receivers, quarterback. Right now, it's Tyrod Taylor. So, but anyway, but I'm staying away from Deshaun Watson when it comes to traditional fantasy leagues. I'm going to let other people worry about it, Wiz. Yeah, so there's two separate things for me. First of all. I am simply amazed that he's allowed to be involved in team activities. 22 women have come forward and either accused him of sexual misconduct or sexual uh, assault, and he's allowed to be team activities. You know, the NFL has been, starting with Ray Rice, have been so random and so stupid with their disciplinary actions. They give more games to a guy accused of deflating a ball than a guy, you know, being physical with a woman in instances. It's all random and it's all been stupid. And this is another case of the NFL not sure and not understanding what to do. So uh, that's the separate part. Like, I'm repulsed that he's allowed to be involved in team activities. This is 22 women. I'm amazed by that. Let's get into the football aspect of it. He said he doesn't want to play another down with the Texans. The Texans, you know, have now come to the conclusion that they're willing to trade him. It's also been floated about what the asking price is going to be. So if it doesn't, if it looks like there is no hope from playing for the Texans, I'll ask you this question. 
the asking price appears to be three first-round picks, other picks, and a player or two of quality. A team is going to make that offer with this cloud surrounding over him, however it gets resolved, and how is that going to play with their fan base? I mean, let's put this on the line here. The one team that has the picks, has the players, and has the reason to make this trade are the Miami Dolphins. I mean, if, they're, if, if the people in that building are not completely sold on Tua, then this trade makes a world of sense. But the question is, with this cloud and the, and the situation going on, not only are you just giving up so many picks and, and proving players as well to get the player, but you have this sideshow going on here. So, I mean, there are three scenarios. He doesn't play football. He plays partial all of the season with the Texans, or he plays partial all of the season with another team? How, how, what's your best guess on what happens? Yeah, look, I, it, it, I think, you know, when you bring into it the situation around the ag- allegations and, you know, we're in a different era where the way things are scrutinized are, are, are a lot different, right? I, I think if I had to guess... Uh, on all those cases, Wiz, uh, first of all, to me, the asking price is way too high. And so I would probably favor him not playing football this year as the number one. If you're asking me, if you give me those choices, I would say that's the number one choice for me. Yeah, I just, you know, I I don't know. I just don't know how it's going to play out. But as far as I'm concerned, he's going to be somebody else's uh, headache or decision to put on a keep as a roster spot. Not for me. And, and um, I, I will add one other thing. Was the one the one point that you do make that really doesn't make? We've seen very inconsistent uh, rulings that have continued to come out of the NFL, and it's disappointing. And I, and look, this is a, this is certainly a very serious one. Like you said, there are, it's not just one or two people. It's it, it doesn't make it good if it's one or two, but there's twenty two. So it's uh, it, it's kind of outrageous given the size number. And I don't know how you can justify as another general manager in this league with all of that going on to spend that kind of draft capital or or player personnel capital uh, on on a player with this stuff kind of following him around i just don't see how that can be met favorable uh by and and biggest the biggest reason is a is the fan bases in a lot of these cities they're just not going to stand for it yeah, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's about the almighty dollar. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I think it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, I, you know, just go back to I'm amazed that he's allowed to be around team activities and, and, all, and all of that stuff with the Texans. Um, I don't understand that, but I don't understand a lot of things that the NFL does with their rulings. Mike Thomas is an interesting situation. So going into last year, not only was Mike Thomas considered, you know, the number one overall wide receiver to be drafted, but he was like in all snake drafts, middle, late first round. He was right there with the elite running backs. Um, And boy, oh boy, have the mighty have fallen here. And even before the injury, he was being looked as a wide receiver too. Um, And now with this injury and the stuff that has come out and uh, you see the things that Sean Payton says where he's basically saying, I have no idea why he didn't have that procedure done earlier. And the things that 
that went on last year, I'm going to tell you something. To me, something is off there. Something is very, very strange going so There's something very strange and unusual going on with Mike Thomas and the Saints. Arguments and fights with coaches, arguments and fights with players, one injury, another injury, a fist fight on his, t- you know, then this. I, I'm just looking at this situation and. I would not be surprised if Mike Thomas doesn't play at all this year for the Saints. I mean, I just don't know where this is going. I mean, it could start off with being an injury, and then it could lead to other things. I don't know about you, but I have a very, very bad feeling about this Mike Thomas Saints situation. Am I making more of that, or do you kind of have the same thoughts? Uh, you know, so I think I think your point about the, what transpired last year is, is key to me because that was very, very unusual, some of the circumstances. He got suspended for a game last year uh, outside of the injury that he was dealing with last year. So uh, I think it's very relevant what you're saying, uh, the fact that your head coach is coming out here. And, look, he doesn't exactly – Drew Brees is not in that locker room and, and kind of there to kind of be that kind of hand of support, if you will, or that shoulder of support. Um, so, you know, I, with Peyton kind of hanging him out to dry, uh, it's not a very pretty picture here. And it looks like it's a it's an injury that needs a lot of time to heal. So uh, he had a tremendous amount of question marks around him, given the situation that he was coming into with the the Saints moving on from Drew Brees and, and changing their quarterback for this coming season. Uh, which we'll get to in a minute because uh, that's a further point. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, and, and Mike Thomas is a different kind of receiver, and I think he was a huge beneficiary of the type of player that uh, in, in the late, latter stages of his career that Drew Brees became. Uh, and I think that benefited the skill set of Michael Thomas quite a lot. Uh, but, yeah, we're looking at a situation here where I think Mike Thomas is going to be someone that's probably going to be on the field in, in a minimal amount, if at all, this year. And, you know, like like the situation with Deshaun Watson, I, I know he's going to get drafted and taken in drafts. Uh, people may be compelled to you know, offer that season that he had in 2019. Uh, but I think he's given you all the reasons in the world to doubt that and to actually stay away from this player uh, when it comes to fantasy in 2021. So, uh, snake draft, he drops and drops and drops. At some point, does he become a value pick? I mean, look, I don't think he'll get by something like the ninth. I, I think you'll see him go ninth or tenth round at, at the at the at the worst. Um, you know, again, if if he was sitting there in one of the last few rounds, would I take him with one of my last roster picks for a position player? Maybe, but like I said, I'm not super high on the situation uh, surrounding the the Saints anyway. Uh, and Mike, I, I was kind of on off the Mike Thomas radar, given given what we saw last year with the way the quarterbacks played with him and just the way the situation evolved. So I'm personally staying away from him. But, yeah, I think there's going to be some that view that as a value pick. Uh, it's not going to be me because, like I said, I'm going to have somebody else worry about it for this upcoming season. The way I look at it, the way I look at it was is he might be going earlier. Than that. I'm saying at worst he goes there. But I'm just saying, like, the way I look at it, there are so many other players at wide receiver uh, because of the depth of the position. Why do you have to get yourself involved with a situation uh, that just is going to be probably a headache for you all year long? Does he come back from whatever he's coming back with, recover from the injury, get himself into football shape, get all the stuff that he needs to do with the quickness and the cuts and the short area movement, 
get acclimated with either one of those quarterbacks, even more so with James Winston, who I'm not even sure he played at all with last year, and then for the second half of the season is one of the top receivers in the game. Can that, is, that, is that one of the scenarios that could happen in your mind? Not at all. Okay. okay. Yeah. I think there are people who believe that. I do not. You do not. But I think there are people who have hopes and aspirations that they scoop up Mike Thomas in round six or seven. Uh, but Wiz, and then uh, the second uh, half of the season. How, how, fantasy football playoffs, he's that elite guy from two years ago. Okay, so, yeah, I was going to say, how much is based on what we saw two years ago, right? That, that like, Drew Brees isn't here, right? Like, I know, by the way, I'm not to, t- not to take away from Taysom Hill, who was extremely accurate uh, when he was on the center last year, uh, but, you know, yards per attempt w- were also very short, and then that kind of catered to the skill set of Mike Thomas. Uh, you know, you could make the argument that he could come back and 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 be a contributor late in the season, but but again, there's some other strange circumstances surrounding the player, and that just makes me you know my it makes me very very cautious about the player as a result of that. But you know, there, you know the emotions that people have attached to players uh, when it comes to fantasy football. If someone rewards you at some point in time, uh, you're you're you seem to be forever beholden to them. I, I don't I don't. I don't kind of run that way, uh, but there are people in fantasy that, that do handle things in that, in that particular manner, but I'm not going to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, Watson and Thomas are two guys who, you know, these last few years are drafted early, very early in all of these drafts, and uh, it's just amazing how quickly things have changed where they're not even on the radar um, for a lot of people when it comes to drafts. Uh, it just goes to show you <clears throat> how quickly could, things could change. But, yeah, I'm watching the ADP, the average draft position for Mike Thomas, and uh, he's not going to be for me, but I know there are, gonna, there are people who are going to have pipe dreams of him, you know, uh, being taken in round seven, eight, nine, ten, or whatever, and then he's going to recover from all of that. And it doesn't matter if it's Winston or Taysom Hill, he's going to be a, a you know, wide receiver one from the moment he steps on the field. You know, I know there are people who are going to hope that happens. But like you said, I'm going to look elsewhere at the wide receiver position this year. Yeah, and I, and I think the biggest thing when it comes to Mike Thomas, and, and, and I know you talked about it a little bit on, on, on one of our last podcasts, but I think uh, it, it's relevant and, you know, it could actually affect – and I don't know what Sean Payton's thinking right now. Uh, we know there are two quarterbacks on this roster that would like to start for the football team. Um, you know, maybe this shifts the way this team runs their offense this year, right? We, and I think it, the ramifications are are, are very big because we kind of talked about uh, Latavius Murray having standalone value. I would argue that there's a chance now uh, that Latavius Murray's value is actually – Forget it. We know he's one of the more valuable handcuffs out there. But if if they choose to go a, a, in a less traditional route uh, where Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback um, and you have a receiving core of guys that are extremely – I mean, they signed Chris Hogan. What is he going to do? He was playing lacrosse only a few months ago. Uh, Marcus Callaway, a, a few little splashes over the years. Traquan Smith – 
has given you small glimpses of success as a fantasy player. One of the guys, Deontay Harris, who, who's on this roster right now, is facing a potential DUI situation. So you got that issue. I think the, the Saints are going to be a perfect candidate, by the way, for looking at veteran guys that get released here because this is a perfect landing spot for guys because this is not a, a very in-depth um, wide receiver position. But I think it could change the dynamics around who's chosen a quarterback. Uh, it could be a lot more. And again, I think there are some people that would surmise that for Alvin Kamara, uh, this would kind of elevate him in the amount that he touches the football. I would argue that the attention placed on Alvin Kamara on the football field by teams opposing defenses would be extreme without Mike Thomas on the field, no matter what the situation at quarterback, whether it's Winston or Taysom Hill. To me, the biggest beneficiary of any player on this roster right now, and I think you got to move him up your draft boards, and that would be Adam Troutman as a result of you know where on the field Mike Thomas would normally be, and Troutman gets the ability, especially with Jared Cook moved on, uh, to kind of elevate his game. And uh, you know this is a guy that the Saints moved back in the draft to get, so clearly they believe in the player's ability, and we're going to find out very soon uh, if that's in fact the case. So. But I think the biggest thing, like I said, is the point that you made uh, on one of the last podcasts about this could affect the decision on who actually plays quarterback for the Saints this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we're going to do a little bit more often. We're going to talk about specific players and their ADP and and uh, and different things about them. So it's just, it, it's just interesting with these two players who have been so prominent in fantasy football drafts these last couple of years. Uh, you're talking about uh, the number one overall wide receiver and a top five quarterback who are going to be a completely afterthought uh, this upcoming season in fantasy football. So uh, it makes for interesting discussion and analysis, and uh, we're going to bring more of that as it gets closer to the start of the season. That sounds fantastic, Wiz. All right, so Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Keep listening. Make sure you're subscribing because the material is going to be coming out uh, more frequently, especially as we continue our preparations. You want to go back and listen to those team capsules. We finished every team in the league. Uh, so there's a lot of good material there. And like I said, Wiz and I will continue to come forth with uh, lots of interesting topics to discuss as we move towards the beginning of the NFL season in 2021. So Wiz, I wish you a good evening and chat soon. You got it. Thanks a lot.